Good morning, church. It's good to be here with you guys. Michelle and I and Aurora and uh, my two girls, we went to a wedding last night in Tyler, Texas. And so we didn't get back until 1230. So if you ever, you know, saying you're too tired, you couldn't make it to church, uh, well, we, we got back at like 1230. So... But Michelle, my loving wife, uh, was worried about me because usually I go to bed at like 8 a.m. on Saturday, 8 p.m. on Saturdays. That'd be pretty funny if I went to bed at 8 a.m. Um, so she's like, do you need anything? And at first I said no, but I was like, hey, could you bring me a bottle of water? Because a lot of times I get thirsty up here and, and that kind of thing. So Michelle, I'm sorry for whatever I did <laughs> that you brought me a pink water bottle. I must have done something awful that you wanted. I'm going to embrace the pink. So. Well, today we're going to see our sermon series talking about stories that we just don't talk about in church. We started with the idea of a martyr and how a martyr is a witness to the good news of Jesus Christ. But oftentimes, if we do that, it's going to get us in trouble. The early church, many of them lost their lives. And the word martyr actually means witness. And that if we stand up for what we believe, it may cost us friends and family and jobs, but it's what we have to do anyways. And then we talked about failure. We don't want to talk about failure as a society, as a church. And we talked about this huge one of King David, one of these great characters in the Bible who failed in this epic way, had an affair with another man's wife, killed the man to make up for it, married the woman, and then caused all this strife in his family. And yet, even after that point, he was able, because he repented for what he did, and God did amazing things through the life of David and was even considered one after God's own heart. And then last week we talked about depression, which one in five Americans deal with depression. And it, this is something that we need to talk about in a church. And we talked about the story of Elijah, who after one of his greatest moments in his ministry, all of a sudden the queen of Israel has threatened to kill him and he's just at his lowest moment. And we talked about we experienced depression both in the moment and on a chronic level, and, and that that's in Scripture, and that these historical figures also dealt with it, and that God is with us in the midst of it. And today we're talking about an equally difficult topic, and that's of brokenness. And we're talking about Hannah, who could not have a child, despite desperately wanting one. And there was an article in Sojourners talking about forgotten women of the Bible, and this is the quote. I remember Hannah her heart so wounded by the abuse of her husband's other wife that she wept at the altar of God until she could not speak. Anyone ever been there? You're so broken by whatever situation that you're going through that you just cannot even speak. And how Eli, the, the holy priest, assumed that she must have been drunk to pray so hard. I know too many women whose heartbreak has been turned into a weapon against them. Hannah, who for some reason God had made unfertile and was made bitter by the way life had turned out. So there's this story of Hannah who's desperate to have a child and is just at this low moment. And in her bitterness and her pain, she cries out with everything she has to God. And the truth is, church, that we experience those moments. I know there's people in this room that are dealing with the loss of loved ones and it's just, it's broken you down. There's other people who are dealing with chronic health issues and, and you just cry out to God, why? Why am I experiencing this? There's others of us who, who have relationship issues, either with a spouse or we're going through divorce or we're, we're just hurting. Or maybe a loved one like a child or a friend or a relative and we've, we're just experiencing brokenness in that relationship and we're just crying out in pain to God, why God? 
Why am I going through this? Maybe we've lost a job and we don't have the same income that we did before. But whatever brokenness that you are experiencing, know that God is with you. And in our story, we have Hannah who doesn't hold it in, doesn't keep it to herself, but cries out to God in honesty in her bitterness and lets God have all of it, all that she is, and makes God see her. And God provides healing. And so that's what I'm going to ask of you today. If you're experiencing brokenness, that you cry out to God with all that you have, with all of your honesty, and that you share it with your people, those who can surround you and love you so that they know the pain and the suffering that you're going through so they can walk with you. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Samuel, chapter 1, verses 1 through 20. Now there was a certain man from Ramathame, a Zophite from the highlands of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah. He was from the tribe of Ephraim, and he was the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, son of Tohu, of Zuf. Elkanah had two wives, one named Hannah and the other named Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah did not. So one of the stories behind the story in this is this is probably a Sarah and Hagar type situation, that Hannah was the first wife, she could not have a baby, and so she convinced her husband, or he just decided to, to get a second wife. These, these things were done. Thank goodness we don't do things that way these days. But in, in those times, that's just how it was done. Um, yes, I, I can imagine having two wives. Thank you for laughing. And so there was just incredible strife in the family because of this decision. Every year this man would leave town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of heavenly forces in Shiloh, where Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were the Lord's priest. Whenever he sacrificed, Elkanah would give parts of his sacrifice to his wife, Peninnah, and to all her sons and daughters. But he would give only one part of it to Hannah, though he loved her because the Lord had kept her from conceiving. And because of the Lord had kept Hannah from conceiving, her rival would make fun of her mercilessly just to bother her. So that what took place year after year, whenever Hannah went to the Lord's house, Peninnah would make fun of her, and then she would cry and wouldn't eat anything. A lot to unpack in those few verses, right? First of all, we hear in the scripture, God is the one who had closed up her womb. What a painful thing to know. What a painful thing to say that it was God who was preventing her from having a child. And I know a lot of the women in this room, and there may be even some of you that have dealt with infertility, and I want you to hear that just because that was Hannah's story, if you're struggling with brokenness, if you're struggling with infertility, if you're in pain, don't hear that God is the one who caused it in this story. This is very specific to this particular situation. For some reason, God had a particular plan for Hannah. So if you're dealing with the same thing, don't hear in this story that God is the one causing your infertility. And we'll get more into that in a minute. But you can see the rivalry between these two women you have Peninnah, who has the babies, and, and she's mocking Hannah. And it just breaks your heart, right? And just the sin in this story. First of all, of, of Elkanah seeking out a second wife, right? And that causes the first level of pain. And then Hannah, you know, she was the favored one. Once again, in Scripture, where we have the situation where one in the family is favored over another, and it causes sin and destruction in their lives. So sin leads to more sin. It starts this cycle of destruction within their family. You know, this, this written 
This book is written, this book Samuel is written about Hannah's son. So we're probably getting the, you know, kind of propaganda version of it about Hannah. So I'm sure Hannah did some things as well. You know, this isn't just a one-way conflict. I'm sure that Hannah was reminding Peninnah all the time about how she was the favored wife. And Peninnah was like, well, I'm the one with the children. So you see there's this conflict within their family, and it's just breaking Hannah down. Not only is she having to deal with her infertility, she's having to deal with her rival. It calls her her rival, mocking her on a regular basis. Hannah, why are you crying, her husband Elkanah would say. Why won't you eat? Why are you so sad? Aren't I worth more to you than ten sons? I call this how not to have empathy, part one. Because we'll have part two in a minute. Guys, if your wife is struggling or a woman in your life is struggling, don't make it about you. (laughs) Don't tell her that you're worth more than whatever her problem is. This is absolutely not how we handle the situation. This is not how we have empathy for a person. If you're trying to help someone, don't make it about you. One time after eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah got up and presented herself before the Lord. Now Eli the priest, sitting in the chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. Hannah was very upset and could not stop crying as she prayed to the Lord. Then she made this promise. Lord of heavenly forces, just look at your servant's pain and remember me. Don't forget your servant. Give, give her a boy. Then I'll give him to the Lord for his entire life. No razor will ever touch his head. This is a powerful prayer. Lord, look at me. Look at, the, look at your servant. She's talking about the heart that she has. Look at who I am. Look at the pain I am. How can you ignore me, God? She's honest. She's real. She's raw. Our pain and our suffering or whatever we're going through should not be an obstacle prayer. It should be the conduit through which we pray. If you are hurting, use those words to God. God can handle it. If you're in pain, cry out to God. As she kept praying before the Lord, Eli washed her mouth. Now Hannah was praying in her heart. How beautiful is that? Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was silent. And now that we're going to call this how not to have empathy part two. (laughs) So Eli thought she was drunk and says, how long will you act like a drunk? Sober up, Eli told her. Yeah, don't act like that either. If someone's in pain and they're suffering, don't assume that they're drunk. Open your eyes. Look at the cues. See what's going on in their life. And don't assume that something else is the problem. Listen to them. No, sir, Hannah replied. I am just a very sad woman. I haven't had any wine or beer, but I've been pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think your servant is some good-for-nothing woman. This whole time I've been praying out of my great worry and trouble. And then Eli finally gets it. Eli responded, Then go in peace, and may the God of Israel give you what you've asked of him. Please think well of me, your servant, Hannah said. Then the, uh, the woman went on her way, ate some food, and wasn't sad any longer. They got up early the next morning and worshipped the Lord. Elkanah had sex with his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel, which means, I asked the Lord for him. And of course, she does give this baby back to God in the temple. And Samuel is the one who anoints the first king of Israel, Saul, and he anoints David to be king of Israel. And he's just this huge character. And so out of the brokenness of this situation, out of Hannah's incredible suffering and pain, 
God brings incredible goodness. And it's something for us to remember. Whenever there is pain, remember that that will not be the last word. That that is not why God caused it. I'm not saying God caused your pain. Let me say that correctly. I, I want to make sure I'm not misheard here. I'm not saying God caused your pain, but God will make good come from your pain. So, as followers of God, what do we do when we find ourselves in a situation like Hannah, in the midst of brokenness, when we're just hurt and we just feel like we can't even get up off the floor? The first thing I think we have to remember is to not cause pain to other people. So many times when we are hurting, we just want to lash out. And it's almost like if, if we can just make other people feel a little bit of what we're feeling, it'll make me feel better. And I think about this situation, this horrible situation that Hannah and Peninnah was. It would be really easy to villainize Peninnah. They are both in just a terrible situation. And I'm sure, you know, that word rival just stuck in my mind, that they were rivals. What was Hannah doing in the situation, in her brokenness, to make Peninnah her rival? And we do that, don't we? When we are hurting, when we're in the midst of great pain in our own life, we reach out and we tend to hurt those. And you know what the saddest part is? We tend to hurt those who care about us the most. We tend to hurt those who care about us the most, those who are trying to help. So the first thing, do not cause pain in your brokenness. Do not cause pain in your brokenness. The second thing is we have to go to God with incredible honesty. Do you hear the words that it talked about? You can almost feel, I don't know about you guys, but I can feel Hannah's pain in this text. And you can feel about how she's just so broken. She was so sad. She could not even speak. I don't know if you've ever been in that kind of place. I know many of you have. You're so broken and you cannot even speak. And yet God understood her cry. Her heart. He said her heart was given to God. That God knew what she was praying in the, mo- in the moment. She didn't have to use words. Guys, I want you to be honest with God. Be real. If you're going through things, God doesn't need a rosy, pictured version of your life. God wants the honest truth of how you're feeling. And even if that is anger at God, I imagine Hannah was pretty angry at God. At some level, she knew that it was God who had closed up her womb. Somehow we have the story, right? I bet she was really angry. And I bet she was letting God have it a little bit. And that's okay. We are called to be honest with God. We're called to open up our hearts and our minds. You know, there's a whole section in the Psalms called Lamentations. And there's a whole book of the Bible called Lamentations of people just giving it all to God, honestly and openly. This is Psalm 56. God, have mercy on me because I'm trampled. All day long the enemy oppresses me. My attackers trample me. Because I have so many enemies, exalted one. Whenever I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, I trust in God and I won't be afraid. What can mere flesh do to me? 
The psalm is attributed to David. Remember, we, we've been talking about how David is a man after God's own heart. So David is able to cry out in honesty. If Hannah is able to cry out in honesty and pain and share what is actually going on in her heart, in her soul, in the deepest parts of herself, then so can you and I. And the third thing is we need to hope for healing if not curing in this life. Now, I believe that God will always respond to our prayers. But for some reason, God does not always heal like God did in this situation. God healed Hannah's womb, and something great came from it. But sometimes in our brokenness, God does not take away whatever it is that's causing us harm. Sometimes we have a chronic illness, and God doesn't take that away. Sometimes our relationship is broken, and it remains broken. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't heal you in the midst of that brokenness. That doesn't mean that God doesn't make something new out of the shattered remnants of your life. Because God is going to heal you. God may not perfectly cure you of whatever it is you're going through. God may not cure you of the cancer that you have in your body. Your loved one may pass away. But God is with you and God is healing you. And God is on your side. I know this is incredibly difficult for us to understand. We cannot understand why God will intercede in some situations and why God chooses not to intercede in others when we know that God has the power to heal everything. And it hurts. It hurts when we're the ones who are not cured or when our loved one isn't cured and they pass away. That hurts. I get it. But God is with you. And God is there in the brokenness helping you pick up the pieces. And we have to realize that we have a hope that goes beyond this world. That our hope doesn't just lie in the material existence that we experience right now. That we believe in a life after death where everyone will be healed and everyone will be holy. And we've got to hold on to that hope of that new and resurrected body one day. Even if God doesn't cure us in this life. So we have to hope for healing even if we are not cured of whatever the problem is. So what do we do? I love my pink water bottle there. What do we do when we have someone in our life that is going through brokenness? How do we come alongside them? The first thing is that Elkanah and Eli do one really good thing. Even though once they open their mouth, they kind of put their foot in it. They just show up, right? At least Elkanah shows up and notices that his wife is experiencing this brokenness. And Eli notices this woman. They're there. The first thing we have to do is just show up for people. We just got to show up. And when we do, and this is the second thing, maybe it's okay to keep our mouth shut. Because what your loved one needs is not you to give them advice. What your loved one needs is not some great piece of wisdom, because you're more than likely going to mess it up. Even I mess it up. What they need is you. I think about Job, the story of Job. I'm reading through Job right now. I don't know why. It's my least favorite book of the Bible. I'm sorry. Sorry, God. Don't like it. <laughs> but Job's friend do something amazing. They, they show up and they sit in the ashes for seven days. Think about that. They sit in the ashes of Job's life. Everything's been taken away from Job. Everything is miserable. And they sit up and they just sit there with him for seven days. Wow, what a gift. And then they open it in their mouth. <laughs> and the point of Job is that no matter how righteous you are, bad things can happen to you, right? And all that they do is just tell them that you must have done something for God to be angry. 
And that's often what we do too. We, we give just the wrong advice, the bad, bad advice. We say the wrong things in the wrong time. Or maybe it's the right things, but in the wrong time. Just be with the person. And the third thing we can do is pray. We can pray specifically and powerfully for the person about their situation and directly and, and ask God, show God your heart that you have for them in their brokenness. And then go to your friend and encourage them. Open up to God. Pray again, specifically, God, my dearest friend has broken relationship with me. I don't know how to handle this. Heal me. We need to go to God with our specific prayer and open our heart to God. And if you do not know what to say, just fall on your knees or fall on your face and show your heart to the Lord. And God will respond. You know, this is a pretty powerful story for me. And I'll tell you one way that God has healed in a similar situation, but not necessarily cured. My adopted mom, and I've told some of you all this story before, so I apologize for repeating it. My adopted mom desperately wanted to have children. Desperately wanted to have children. So all she wanted to do was to be a mother. And she had a, a disease called endometriosis, and she couldn't. She waited as long as she could to have the surgery until eventually they just had to take away her ability to have biological children. And yet she still desperately wanted to be a mom. And she prayed and she cried and she wept over and over and over again. Amen, Amen yeah. Until one day, God gave her a vision of a son that she would adopt. And she had a vision of what he would look like. And then she found out about these two boys. Actually, there's six of us, but there were two boys that she could choose from. One named David, one named Ray. And she picked me because my name is David. And in that moment, she cried out to God and she gave me back to God in the same way that Hannah gave Samuel back to God. God didn't heal her, didn't cure her, I mean, of her inability to have a biological child. But he healed her. And he did something so incredibly beautiful that I'm standing here today in front of you guys as her adopted child that she chose and that she gave back to God. So God shows up in our brokenness. God's going to show up for you. And we're called to show up for each other. And now I, wanna, I want us to recite one of those psalms that I think gives us all incredible comfort, and that's Psalm 23, and I think it's going to be on the screen. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me by the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, you are rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now we get to share in this holy meal together. And we do this every...